night. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you here. And those that we don't see, but you can see us or me anyway, just uh, welcome. Thanks for joining in on this uh, broadcast or video, whatever you call it. We are in the book of uh, Matthew still. We're going chronologically through the Gospels. We have been in Matthew for quite some time here. And uh, we started on chapter 24 last week, and I want to mention something to you. We are starting one of the most, um, would I say, misunderstood, or there's so much controversy about this means this, and this means this, and this side believes this, and something else means something, believes something else. We're just going to look at what the Word of God says today, and that should be sufficient for us. Eh? If you want to go and look and see what man has written in his books, you go ahead, but I think you'd be safer to just take what the Bible says and compare scripture with scripture. We're going to do that this morning. Uh, last week we covered, uh, we went down to the to verse 4. Oops, let me get this up here. So make sure you have some writing material and such. We're getting into end times things. The Lord Jesus is at the end. Of, he's finished his dealings with the Pharisees and the scribes and stuff. And he's just uh, bringing some, I think this is what we call the, uh, uh, um, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Mount of Olives, I think. That's what happened after they left the temple. They went up there. But nonetheless, so he's basically talking to his disciples and such. And we're looking at end times things. So things that will be future to us as well. Now, we'll get into it here. Some of it deals with some things that were future from them but are past for us. But we'll get into that. There is so much here. I think it would be about six months just looking at this one chapter. But we're going to look at some... Uh, key things here, and I want you to make sure you have writing material because um, you're going to have a lot of comparison with Scripture with Scripture. That's what we're doing, and that's the safest way to look at uh, the Word of God. And we come up to passages that are difficult to understand or whatever, uh, we'll see what God says in His Word. And as you study your Bible, you'll probably find out that as you go along, He'll give you more and more light on a particular subject, anyways. So um, we're looking at end times, uh, big fancy word for that is eschatology, but, uh, and sometimes it's hard to discern what's going on, but we want to note something here, something we've been doing in the book of Matthew and, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, going through the Gospels chronologically, and I hope you've noticed that often we have a passage, say, in Matthew, and we get some information there, now we'll go over to one of the other Gospels and we'll find the same passage, a parallel passage, but it may have, and often has, some more information that wasn't in the other one. Now that's what the Lord, had, how he has set things out for us, uh, is that he wants us to dig in and look at and compare Scripture with Scripture. So you take the four Gospels and you take the parallel passages and such, you're going to get a complete picture of things, aren't you? Now I want you to keep that in mind. Um, that there's often more information given on any particular subject or teaching, we'll find some more in the other Gospels. Now when we get to eschatology and end times things, we have the same thing happening in that, in the sense that um, you have Matthew 24, you have a parallel passage, or parallel passages in Mark chapter 13 and Luke 21. Now, they don't all say exactly the same things, but some give a little bit more information in this area, some more information in this area. But if you take them all together, you're going to get a, a more complete picture. Now, I was thinking about this, and I always wondered, well, wonder what happened to John. John, in, the, the, in John's Gospel, does not have uh, a parallel passage to these things that we're looking at here. 
but he does have an opportunity, or that's not the word, maybe the Lord did use him to bring forth uh, uh, for John to write down this very subject and all these things here in another portion of scripture, and that's Revelation chapter 6. So this is very important for right now. I'm going to be telling you some things and say, this. look at this part, portion, look at this portion and such. You write it down and you check it out yourself, okay? You make sure you are convinced. You are convinced from the Word of God that this is this and that is that, okay? Not from what I say or anybody else, but what the Word of God says, okay? That's the best place to be. You're going to find as we go through this that you have the four gospel writers have and were given uh, each had an account of this very thing right here. And this is very important for us because there's a lot of misinformation today and a lot of problems with stuff. Let's just take those things and compare them. So uh, what you can do on your own is uh, make yourself a little chart. I did it with Matthew and Revelation uh, for, I don't know, we probably won't get to it this week, is write down the things you see and then you see the same thing over in the other one and back and forth. It's quite interesting. Now, um, Last week we looked at the um, first four verses that the Lord Jesus left the temple and his disciples came to him and, and they started talking about the temple and the, how wonderful it looked and the beautiful buildings and such. And I often wondered, is it just kind of, maybe it was an awkward situation. The Lord just finished telling off the Pharisees and them. I wonder if the disciples felt, we better, better tread lightly here because we don't want to get told off about something to do. I don't, I don't know. Um, that's just the way I think. But anyway, put yourself in that situation. But they start talking about the buildings. You know, you read the, the account there. And the Lord says basically that, uh, you know, and we looked at last week, man looks on the outward, but God looks on the inward. We look at material things often. And the Lord says, you see all this stuff? All these buildings? There's going to come a time and it's all going to be thrown down. It's not going to be one stone standing upon another. Okay? And uh, I believe he was talking to about uh, 70 A.D., but we'll get at that in a minute. And, uh, and they went up to and sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, they want three questions, three important questions they, were, uh, yeah, they asked the Lord Jesus. Uh, but when, that, uh, when shall these things be? The second, uh, 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 sorry, yes. When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? and of the end of the world. Three things. Now the Lord Jesus does not answer those questions right there. He's the number one thing that you have to understand and for all believers and all the trust in Jesus Christ is that you have to understand that in these days pertaining to the last days, well always I guess, but especially in the last days you take heed that no man deceives you. Okay. Now you're going to find that in uh, exactly the same in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in the book of Revelation. It's said just a little bit differently. We'll get to that another time. We looked at the word uh, deception and took 12 different um, verses out of the New Testament and looked at the usage, usage of the word and such and talked about how uh, we can be deceived and can the elect be deceived and what kind of deceptions we see today. We went over to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 18 and talked about the deception of the end times and such. And if you haven't noticed that this world is changing, okay, and uh, the Lord Jesus is going to come back soon, but before he does, you know this old world is going to get into a real mess. Mm -hmm. And the messes are starting, okay, they're well on their way. 
So this stuff is very appropriate for us today. We don't want the Lord um, saying to us, like he said to the Pharisees, about you can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the times. He wants us to, to discern the times. And we're going to look at a sign. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 says, when God made the sun, he made it for several reasons. The first reason was for signs. The sun and the moon are for signs. And we're going to look at a major, major sign in the Bible that's in all four of these uh, uh, end times uh, prophecies, if you will call them prophecies. I guess they are. Uh, we'll see that later. But right now, let's just go over to chapter uh, 24, verse 5, and continue on. The Lord said, and Jesus answered, and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Okay, And that word, that deception, that's a very strong, very strong deception. It's uh, uh, making some, someone to uh, go into error, to wander away. The Greek word, uh, uh, I forget what it is, but where we get our English word planet, it means to wander, just go about wandering. Um, he says, for, but take heed that no man shall deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Let's just look at that for a minute. He says, many shall come in my name. Now, as you know, I think it's part of my, my job, I think it is, it's part of my job to study the, study the Word, study the, uh, the Bible, and bring these things to you. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we're going to look at a word this morning, uh, right here, and just see the importance of it. You should see the importance of studying the words as we're given by the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? When we look at verse 5, for many shall come in my name. See that little word there, in? That little word in there, and we think of it as, we think of it being inside something. The word actually is epi, which means upon, not in. He says these deceivers are coming, they're not in Christ. They're not in him. They're not in his name. They're upon him. They're like they're riding upon him. They're using him for a gain of their own. Hmm. You see that? That word epi means they're coming upon Jesus' name. They don't know anything about him. They're not in him. They're upon him. They're just using him as a tool to get these advantages. And I was uh, looking at a thing the other day on, uh, on the internet and YouTube about some uh, one of the famous preachers. <clears throat> Uh, in, in the states, uh, preachers of well, not of the Bible. Um, this this fellow's uh, one of the main ones in that uh, prosperity gospel stuff. Copeland, uh, his name. Uh, the fellow said that that guy is worth seven hundred and eighty million dollars. <laughs> okay, hey, that's a fair chunk of change. You know how come? Well, there he goes. But how did he make it? I do not believe, and I'm sorry, Mr. Copeland, if you're listening, but you better take heed because God Almighty, the Spirit of God, is saying to you that you are not doing the work of Jesus Christ. You are leading people astray. You are deceiving people, and you're taking their money, and you are riding upon Jesus' name mm -hmm. to make money. Mm -hmm. That's all it is, okay? That's what it is, and all the rest of them, too. You need to read this Bible and take heed to what that says right there. That's you. They're coming. They're de deceiving, deceiving, deceiving. It's deception. How do they do that? It's deception. It's the devil yep. working in these end times. Jesus warned them right there. How could it be that people that can hardly make ends meet 
They're sitting in these huge, huge auditoriums with thousands of people and such. And the guy up on the stage is telling you, don't forget to tithe. And you can hardly get by get enough money to buy food and everything else you need, but don't you forget to tithe. We want everybody to tithe $1,000 because we need a new jet or something. Come on. Come on. That's deception that Jesus was talking about. You are, they are writing on Jesus' name. Upon. They're not in Him. Okay? They're saying, and they're saying, I am Christ. Um, I often refer to my Greek Bible. It's a uh, English Greek linear. It's the uh, 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 received text. This text of Stephanus in 1550. That's supposed to be the one that the King James translators used when they did their copies. That's fine, dandy. I'm using it too. Okay, and it says right there, uh, I am the Christ. It's, that's the idea there. The Christ, not just Christ, but the Christ. So they're coming upon His name, saying, "I am Christ." They're not saying that they are Christ. That's not what he's getting at. I don't believe that's what he's getting at. He's saying, they're saying, oh yeah, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus this and Jesus that. And they're just using Jesus' name. Okay. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you, when I was a boy, I don't like talking about it, but it just come to my mind. Um, I had a problem with a uh, bowel problem. It was pains. Oh boy, it was something. Something tremendous. I just doubled up. I was, I think I was seven years old, and I was I spent some time in uh, what was the name of the Branson Hospital? I don't know, a hospital down Toronto somewhere down there. Spent some time in there, and they couldn't do anything for me. In that and uh, my parents, my mom, got my family and that into occult things, and they had a friend who was a medium, very famous well, at the time. Not even going to mention his name, and I can remember. They took me to him, and uh, uh, I remember, I can still picture it, a seven-year-old boy sitting on a chair in his kitchen, and he was doing his laying on his hands and stuff, and it was dark around, it was just weird. And I won't tell the rest of it, but anyways, I was basically healed of that at that point. But it was all done in Jesus' name, and it was so far from Jesus that you just can't imagine, folks. It was just mm -hmm. horrible. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. There are many Jesus, the Bible says in Corinthians. People come and they use Jesus' name for everything. Eh? Mm -hmm. um, same as these ones, these phony uh, uh, ones on TV that are wanting your money and stuff. They shall deceive many. They come in and saying, yes, Jesus, uh, yep, he's, he's the reason. He, yes, he's the Christ. Yes, he is. And then turn around and say, in Jesus' name, give to me. Don't you feel sorry for them? Feel sorry for them because they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on the judgment day and he's going to bring it all up. You led how many people astray? How many thousands or millions of people you led astray and led them to hell? Because you will not enter the kingdom of God. You will not be saved unless you trust in Jesus Christ and him only. Repenting of your sins, trusting in Jesus Christ who is the son of God, died on the cross of Calvary for us was buried and rose from the dead on the third day, right. putting all your faith in Him with all of your heart, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and believing in Him, accepting Him, and you'll be saved. Amen. You'll be saved. We were singing one hymn there this morning. I just, I just couldn't hold it back. I just, I just, the tears and the crying, it's just a wonderful thing. It's, it's joy. It's not a sadness. I had to leave the room. It was just so, just so blubbery because... When you see the 
reality of it, and it hits you again sometimes. Butch Johnson used to say, the Spirit of God's got a hold of your heart, and you're squeezing it, and the juice comes out. <laughs> and we were singing about Jesus Christ and how He forgave us of our sins, and He saved us. What an amazing thing, folks, to be saved, to be born-again Christian, eh? Amen. I wish that those phony preachers would understand and see that they are doing the wrong thing and they would get saved and turned around. But anyways, what an amazing, wonderful thing to be in Christ. But Jesus warned his disciples just the same as we are warned today because he says, I want you to read the Bible. You study it. If you're not studying it, you should be. You should be. That no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, lead many people, lead them astray. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars and cases. First thing you need to understand is that you need to um, get hold of this. Uh, how do you take heed? Well, you take heed to the Word of God, eh? Mm -hmm. And be praying, spend some time in the Bible. Um, now, a couple of things I want to just mention here before we get uh, any further there, further along here. Um, Jesus says, um, for many shall come in my name. We want to just talk just briefly about two particular false uh, um, individuals who will um, do things in Jesus' name and such. Uh, we know the one that we call the Antichrist. He's going to come. In fact, they're starting to set the stage for him right now in our society. Uh, um, you will read the book of Revelation chapter 6 you'll see the, uh, the deception that is spoken of that John was told to write down about was that the rider on the white horse who is the Antichrist, he's that guy once they're uh, you notice that some of the countries are starting to fail you see what's happening in France things that place is on fire okay? it's part of their plan, they're going to bring everything down so they can build it up with their new one world order new world order and such and then they got the individual going to step out. And you got one man there that's going to be running the whole show. And that's him. He's the rider on the white horse. Revelation chapter 6, the first rider. He comes forth bringing peace. Okay. But he's going to be doing it in Jesus' name because Jesus said to the, to the, um, the Jews, he said uh, uh, that uh, how they rejected him, but there will be one come in his own name, and you, him you will receive. That's John 5, uh, 43. He'll present himself as the Messiah, and the Jews are looking for this Messiah. And he's going to present himself as the Messiah, as a world leader, and all that's going to overflow from Israel to the whole world. And he will promise peace. Now what you need to do at this point, or right now, a uh, thing for you to look up is Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. It will describe what's going to happen in that last seven years of Daniel's, uh, uh, we call it Daniel's 70th week. A seven-year period to come, known as the tribulation and such. Um, this fellow is going to make a peace pact with Israel. The Bible says that in Daniel 9, 27. He's going to, he's going to uh, reinstate the sacrifices and all that stuff. So there has to be a temple built. And they're building it. They're or wanting to. Okay, they, they, Things are in the works. And he's going to do that. And he's going to make a promise. They're going to do the Old Testament sacrifice. The halfway through that seven years, he's going to stop those sacrifices. He's going to turn, basically take the mask off and show who he is. This is a man that is, uh, that the devil himself will, Satan himself will uh, uh, in, uh, indwell. And he will want to be worshipped himself as God. Okay. That's uh, a tremendous deception. We are seeing some of the deception being set up and starting now to bring this individual in. 
the Old Testament sacrifices, he'll stop them, and so on and so forth. Um, Daniel 9.27, and he's the rider on the white horse. Now, there's so much stuff here, I'm just trying to pick out things here, that kind of an introduction for it. Um, some of the teachings we find in the Bible, um, you have what I call, a, they have dual meanings. Like for instance, the teachings, um, some of the teachings seem to refer to uh, 70 AD where the temple was destroyed by the Romans. Luke seems very, very uh, uh, strong on that, it seems to me. And it could very well be that here when Jesus was saying, and it probably is a reference to that, where he says that this, all the stones are going to be torn down and such like that. But you have dual meanings and such. One real classic one, and write this down, is Ezekiel 28, verses 11 to 17. And I forgot my other Bible, I was going to read it to you this morning, but I'll just give you the gist of what's happening. The, the Lord's uh, uh, speaking to Ezekiel to um, to bring these things forth and take this out. He says uh, to uh, take a, uh, is it a burden or a word? Uh, he talks about the king of Tyre, okay? And he starts on talking about the king of Tyre. And then he says, thou art, thou art in Eden, the garden of God. Wait a minute. The king of Tyre wasn't there, was he? It's a dual meaning. He starts out with him. He, that's king of Tyre is actually a picture of Satan himself, okay? So you have what I call a dual uh, dual meanings there. You have to be able to discern it as you read. He ta starts talking about the king of Tyre take a lamentation against him, and he says, you were in Eden. So we know that he's talking about the devil. Then he describes the physical uh, appearance of the devil right there. The devil had not been cursed at, at, at this point. Okay, he's in his, in his original state as he was created. So that it's important to see those things. And there's other portions of scripture where there's gaps between verses. And let's find that in Luke 21, you'll find there's a gap um, between a few verses there, but we'll get to that later. I just wanted to mention that because uh, we have to be aware of those things. Like sometimes people get all um, messed up when they look at what's he talking about. He's talking about 70 ADs because some people believe that all these things here on the page happened way back then. Okay. Well, wait a minute. You're leaving something very important out, buddies. Um, you're leaving out when the sun will be darkened and the moon will be uh, turned to blood and the stars will fall and the sign of the Son of Man will be seen in the sky. Uh, he didn't come back then. Did, did we miss something? He didn't come back then. He didn't. So we can see that he refers to things that are going to happen from that, from this, the writing of this, 70 AD was yet future, it was about uh, um, 20 years or so future. But, uh, then it can have a dual meaning to later on and such. We want to look at and compare a couple things here. Oh dear, I'm going to do this. Let's just look at this. I'll just, I'll just mention a few things to you. Our time goes by so fast. We could, uh, we could just keep going. We could spend eight or ten hours here just doing this introduction here. Um, in Matthew 24, uh, we see that the Lord warns them of deception. There'll be a lot of deception. Now, I already mentioned to you that Revelation chapter 6 is John's parallel passage to Matthew 24, Luke, uh, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Okay? Revelation chapter 6 is, is something you want to read along with this. Let me just compare them back and forth a little bit. So deception is one of the first things we see here in Matthew 24. And I've already mentioned to you that in Revelation chapter 6, the rider on the white horse is going to bring forth 
uh, peace and so on and so forth, and the, the seven-year peace plan. That's deception. That's a whole bunch of lies. That's an, uh, the ultimate deception right there. Eh? I'm just showing you the same things. Then in, in uh, Matthew here, it talks of wars, uh, rumors of wars, nations against nations, and you have the same thing. The second uh, horse, uh, the rider, takes peace. Where did that peace come from? That was the first rider establishes that. Then there's going to be wars and such. But just stop and think about it. If the guy establishes peace, that means before him there wasn't any. There's all kinds of problems and such taking place. Some believe that Psalm 83 is uh, the wars and stuff that are going to happen before that rider on the horse, uh, before the Antichrist, and he'll have, he'll have the answers to all this stuff. But the deception and the conquering and the wars and such, and famines and pestilences and earthquakes, well, you read about that over there in Revelation chapter 6, uh, about famines and all kinds of things, and death by sword and hunger and beasts, and the saints are going to be killed, and they're going to, people are going to rise up one against the other. They're going to hate each other. Um, and on and on it goes. And, and no, I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> um, let me give you something then for you to uh, study it this week and have a look at. Um, in the book of Matthew, verse 20, chapter 24 here, I've broken it down into, and I think there's three major sections that we can look at. As the Lord's telling them these things, rumors of wars and such, and then you can read about those things over in uh, Revelation 6 as well. Um, and verse 8, he says, these are all the beginnings of sorrows. Okay? And that's, I think, the section mentioned. And then verse 21, he says, for then shall be great tribulation. Talking about that, we we look at that seven years as the we call it the time, the tribulation time. In all reality, not all of it is the tribulation, just parts of it, but um, not seen since the beginning of time. Now, what I wanted to do was uh, just uh, show you verse 29 in Matthew. Just jump ahead, just for something to look at to um, um, to consider. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we have the beginnings of sorrows, we got the abomination of desolation and the great tribulation. Um, these are all common things through all those four parallel passages. Um, and the sun and the moon darkened. This is the one that, that really gets me. This is, I think, I think one of the key things, because we go back, as I said, back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, and God's uh, describing what the sun is for and the moon and the stars and such. And the first thing he says is for signs. For signs. Now, we today, we don't believe in signs and all that stuff. And, but he says the sun's for that. I mean, you can look at the sun, you can tell what's going on with the, the, where, when the sun's setting, where it's coming up, you can tell what the day's going to be like, eh? You can tell. He says that in the Bible. But there's another sign, another, a very important sign that, that this is going to uh, stand for. In verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened. And the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. I just want to mention to you that you're going to find that particular thing in um, Matthew 24, um, Luke 21, Mark uh, 13, and Revelation chapter 6. This is a sign that God has given for a particular thing. And you know what that particular thing is? Verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Now, 
If you don't know who the Son of Man is, you go back to Daniel chapter 7 and read verses 13 and 14 in around there. It talks about this one that's going to come. It's, this is the anointed one. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. It's called the Son of Man back in Daniel. And it talks about his reign and all those things. And when Jesus said so many times to the people, refer to himself as the Son of Man, those that studied the scriptures like the scribes and the Pharisees, they knew full well what he was saying. He said, I'm that guy. I am him. I am the I am. I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. But what we have here, before Jesus comes, there's going to be a sign in the sky. And shall appear, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in, in the clouds of heaven with power and great, great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the end of heaven. Uh, one end of heaven to the other. Um, we won't get into that this morning. We're not going to be able to have the time to get into that. But I want you to compare those things in those four uh, 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 four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read, read in Matthew 24, or Mark 13, uh, Luke 21, and Revelation 6. I want you to compare that and look at what follows immediately after. You have this the sign of the sun and the moon being darkened. And then there's the sign of the Son of Man appears in heaven. Revelation gives you a lot more information on what happens right there. Um, you can see that at the end of uh, <clears throat> in Revelation chapter 6 verse 12 it says, And the, the sun will be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and then the stars will fall from heaven and all that sort of thing. Then it talks about the uh, kings of the earth and everyone they're running and scrambling to hide themselves in the rocks and uh, for them to fall upon us because the day of the wrath has come. The wrath of the Lamb has come. We'll get into that next week. This is one of the keys to understanding end times things and what's going to happen. It, this thing tells us when the gathering is and what it's all about. We're going to look at that next time, I suppose. Um, but what you need to do is read and compare these passages back and forth. But we have here, don't forget, and go and read Genesis 1.14, read about the sun being a sign, and the sun and the moon darkened, and the stars falling is a sign. I believe it's a sign for the Son of Man that Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. In the book of Revelation, you know what happens. You have the sun and the moon. This is after the beginnings of sorrows, and, and, and what he calls the great tribulation and such, it's, and this happens within the first couple of years of that seven, okay? And then you'll see in the book of Revelation, it doesn't stop in six. He announces that. There's, this, there's the, uh, the sun being darkened and such. And then the sign of, of the Lord is there because they see him. People see him. They're running. They're scared and everything, you know. And what's the next thing that happens? We read in the Bible that with the sound of the trumpet, we'll get it, get it that next time. We don't have time for anything, really. And today, the sound of the trumpet, and he's going to gather his people together. Why? Why is Jesus going to do that? Why is he going to come in the clouds and gather his people? Because something's about to happen. What is it? The wrath of God. The day of God. The day of the Lord. Now you write that down and go get your concordance and look at those things in the Old Testament. It's that dark and terrible day. The day of the Lord. The day of his wrath. Now, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians, I think it's chapter 4, 
says that for the believers that we are not subject to wrath. Okay? We are not subject to wrath. Why? Because Jesus took it all upon him, right? Amen. Took Amen. it upon him at the cross. You're exempt from that, and you're not going to be here for the wrath of God. We can figure out when this wrath of God starts. The Bible tells us very clearly when it starts. And I'm going to say something right now, going to, and people get upset about it. And I throw it out there. Uh, I, you come and show me and give me one verse that says that there's a rapture of the church, the gathering of God's people at the beginning of seven years. Mm -hmm. It's You won't find it, because it's not true. It doesn't happen until later on. Now I want you to write this down. You go check this out. Do some homework this week. And the key for that, we were talking about the, uh, the sun being darkened and so on and so forth. You go back to Joel chapter 2. And it's verse 30 or 31. I can't remember which. You have a look at that. And he says, it talks about, the, the, it says the sun will be darkened before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Now did you catch that? The the sun being darkened is that sign. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Revelation. And Joel said, hundreds of years before this, before the wrath of God comes, before he pours out his wrath on this earth, the sun will be turned to darkness. So the sun's going to be turned to darkness before that great and terrible day. Mm -hmm. But those that believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, and I did it one time too, but something's wrong here. Studying it up and staying for a long time. Um, because you take that whole seven years and they say, well, we're going to be taken out at the beginning. Wait a minute. Why? Because they believe that the whole thing is the wrath of God. No, it's not. You know how we can tell? If you, you say they're going to be, the believers are going to be taken out here at the beginning, but down here in Revelation chapter 6 is after a whole bunch of things have happened, then the sun's, sun's going to be uh, turned to darkness. So the pre Pre-tribulation rapture basically says that the sun is going to be turned to darkness after the great and terrible day of the Lord begins. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. They say that that the the sun, the moon, the stars will be darkened after the the wrath begins, because they believe it starts at the beginning of it. The Bible says no, 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 no. Joel says, go read it that the sun will be darkened before the great and terrible day. That's why you have in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, the sign of the sun, the moon, the stars, and all that, that cosmic troubles and all that, and the sun is darkened because God's going to do something. Jesus is going to do something. And you'll read in Revelation, you'll read in Revelation chapter 7, you go read it yourself this week, I want you to read that as well. Chapter 7 says that um, there's four angels about to bring upon the earth the winds from the, the four winds. Now we're going to study the four winds here at some other time. But I'm just trying to give you some overviews here. And they're told, another angel says, hold it, stop. Do not do anything upon the earth until we do. There's two things. The first one is, you've got to seal the 144,000. Not my words, you read it in the Bible. You've got to seal them. Before you go any further, these guys are going to bring all this stuff on the earth. Why do you want these guys sealed? Because they're going to go through the, the, uh, the terrible time of the trumpets, the terrible time of God's wrath. It hasn't come yet. So stop everything. And the second thing, you go read it. Daniel, or Daniel, 
Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, John says to the angel, who are all these people? All of a sudden, there's a multitude of people. Where would they come from? Who are these people? The angel says, they came out of the Great Tribulation. Guess what? That's a parallel passage to Matthew 24, 31 right there. The sound of the trumpet is gathering his people. Why? Because the wrath of God starts with the trumpets, mm -hmm. not the seals. Mm -hmm. The seals are not the wrath of God. And there's no gathering of God's people at the beginning of the seven years. It's a couple years into it. Anyway, I know a lot of stuff for you to think about, a lot of stuff for you to, 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 to grasp, um, and some of the stuff goes against what we're taught. I was taught otherwise, and they told me at the Bible school, you just believe what we're telling you, and you'll be all right. No, I'm sorry. I believe what the Word of God says. I don't care what anybody says. And the Word of God says, and now if you have other ideas there and you see something that I don't see, I want you to tell me because I want to know. But as I see it in the Word of God right there, I'm telling, telling you this like that, there it is. And there's, I think there's deception today. And the pre-tribulational rapture, people are looking for this escape hatch, which the Bible does not talk about. At the beginning of that seven years, it comes after the sun is darkened. There is no removal before that. You try and find it, and you're not gonna. You're not gonna find it. It's not there. If things that I'm, if I'm telling you these things, and if these things are so, then there's been a deception upon God's people. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what's going to happen when it starts to unfold? When that conqueror goes forth on that white horse, we're going to see some of that stuff. And if they believe that they were supposed to be taken out, they're going to think that they weren't saved. They're going to think that something's wrong. They missed something. And their faith is going to, be, is going to crumble. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you think about that. You go study that out and check and see. Like I said, you compare Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Revelation 6. They're all parallel passages. And you'll get the whole picture right there. We have to stop. Our time's long gone. Let's word of prayer. Our Father, we just thank you for your grace now, Lord. We thank you for your word and the very uh, preciseness of it, Lord. And that as we study it, we, as you told us to study it line upon line, precept upon precept. We study scripture with scripture. We answer scripture with other scripture. And Lord, we just want to thank you now. We just ask that you would help us to know the certainty of the words of truth, that we be not deceived in any matter whatsoever, Lord. And we just thank you for your grace now. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for uh, watching in. Uh, look through all that stuff. And we'll, uh, next time, next week or whatever, we'll, uh, we'll pick it up again. Throw some more stuff at you. Okay? Thank you. Bye now.